This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you today. And Pastor Michael, we've got a question that's been submitted by our listeners that is going to be interesting to get the answer to. How do you co-parent your children in a divided home? That is, where one parent is teaching Christian values and one parent is teaching worldly values. So this question is incredibly difficult. um, And honestly, any good answer um, would have to be individualized because every circumstance is so nuanced and, and just specific. It would almost be insulting to give one like big broad answer and say, here's the answer for everybody. And, and uh, there are some people who are Christians and they are married to um, staunch atheists. There are some who are married to Muslims or to Jews, or um, you have a Protestant and a Roman Catholic who have differing views on salvation and the church and sacraments. And, and uh, so there's all different sorts of nuances. And then um, you have a number of circumstances where I'm personally helping people right now where they're um, divorced from their spouse and they're not living in the same home, but they're teaching completely different worldviews. And uh, I mean, there's so many nuances and specifics to this um, question. Personally, um, I grew up in a home where my mom came to faith when I was fairly young. I think I was three or four years old. And my dad did not come to faith until I was in eighth grade. I believe that's the how old I was. And um, so in that time, you know, my mom would take our family to church and my dad would stay home most of the time and he'd read the newspaper and he was just kind of ambitious to the whole God thing, just really didn't see the relevance for himself. And, and, um, and so I watched, you know, as a young kid, this circumstance play out. Um, I am privileged, blessed to have seen my dad come to faith in Jesus Christ and over the years to watch the Spirit of God transform, you know, this man um, who all the generations before him had never trusted in Jesus. And so I had a front row seat to seeing both sides um, of this equation. There are some sub-questions that um, this subject immediately brings up. One of them is, um, should I encourage my children to pray for their unbelieving mom or dad? I mean, the implication, um, if you are a believing parent and you're married to a non-believing parent, is that that non-believing parent is going to hell. So do you encourage your kids to pray for their salvation? That can get kind of weird, right? Um, Should I encourage my children to evangelize their unbelieving parent? Um, So if I'm a dad and the mom is not trusted in Jesus, do I tell the kids to go share the gospel with their mom and plead with their mom for for salvation? Another question this brings up, should I teach my children core doctrines like hell or election, um, being under God's wrath and Satan's control um, for the non-believer? Like, should I teach them those kind of basic doctrines, um, knowing that those doctrines are going to be offensive to my unbelieving spouse? And um, so again, these get very, very difficult. I want to give you some wisdom, um, just some things that um, I've learned, some advice that I've gotten from other people as we have navigated, um, honestly, a number of families through this specific issue. And then I want to give you some biblical encouragement. Um, so some wisdom. Number one is you need to talk specifically and directly with your spouse. Um, put the hard stuff on the table. If you want things to be weird, be passive. Don't talk about it. Um, I'll just say this. uh, Mature people use their words. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so this whole idea of conversations that aren't on the table. um, Now, maybe um, we've been in circumstances where the mom wants to talk about it with the dad. 
and the dad is aloof. The dad doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't like to talk about hard things. And and there are circumstances like that. But by and large, um, it should be um, the priority of the believing spouse to pursue dialogue. Um, the unbelieving spouse, by the way, is well aware that you think they're going to hell. I have yet to meet the spouse of a believer who does not know that they think their spouse is going to hell. I mean, it's like, so I've actually said in counseling to a couple, you do realize that she thinks you're going to hell, right? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm very well aware of that. They're all aware. Um, And so putting that on the table too and saying, how do we address issues like this when the kids ask me? um, What's a way that I can honor you in my answers? my experience with 99% of spouses who are not believers married to Christians is that they feel, here's the word, judged. They feel judged. And um, to some degree, they're right um, because the believer is discerning or judging that because of their lack of faith in Jesus, that they don't have the spirit of God and that they're going to hell. Now, the non-believer internalizes that as condemnation, although the Christian never really means it as condemnation. We're just discerning the reality of their fate because of what the Bible says. But So just to take into consideration, number one, you need to talk to them, but also know that this is incredibly sensitive for unbelieving spouses, particularly in this culture. So number two is listen to your unbelieving spouse's specific concerns and requests. It doesn't mean you need to obey all of them. It doesn't mean you need to give in or compromise. But they need to have a sense that you want to protect them and that you love them and that you want to be unified with them in the raising of your children. And so I think just being heard um, by your believing spouse is an amazing, uh, amazing thing. And most um, spouses who are married to Christians don't feel heard. They feel judged. Number three is affirm verbally, explicitly for your spouse that you will never speak negatively of them to your children. Um, There is a way to talk about their faith without putting the mom or their dad down. Because whether the mom or dad is a Christian or not, being a mom or a dad is an honorable role. There are many uh, men and women who don't love Jesus, but you know what? They are good moms and dads. And so we want to continue to raise high um, the honorable position of mom and dad, especially in the way we talk um, to our kids about um, maybe their parents' lack of faith. Number four. Use this as an opportunity to help kids realize that faith is the gift of God. God saves. And so here's what we tell people is teach your kids how to pray for their salvation. And when you ask someone to pray for someone's salvation, what you are doing is teaching them that salvation is something that is in God's hands. This is why we love to teach young people how to pray that other people would get saved because it just intuitively lets them know God has to do this. God has to open their eyes. God has to grant them grant them faith. Um, number five, get comfortable with your children hearing competing worldviews. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. If you let your kids go to any of their friends' houses, they're going to have thoughts, ideas, habits, patterns that disagree with yours. The reality for divided homes is that, is that this happens immediately. And uh, you get just got to get really, really comfortable that your children are going to hear multiple perspectives. They're going to hear disagreeing perspectives, especially in homes where you have a very convicted mom and a very convicted dad with two very conflicting worldviews. This child is going to get competing training, competing worldview training. So you just got to get comfortably with that. Number six, live so differently 
that your unbelieving spouse's sin is seen as undesirable and your lifestyle is seen as desirable. So I, I basically I'll say it like this, live a holy, God-honoring, Jesus-exalting, joy-filled life so that when your child looks at the habits and patterns and results of the unbelieving spouse, they say, I don't want that. And when they look at the habits and patterns that you are exemplifying and they see your joy and your happiness and your contentment, um, that they say, whatever you have, I want that. And so those are just six general pieces of wisdom. And uh, now I want to get to a, a couple pieces of biblical encouragement. Number one, there seems to be a special protection for kids in these homes. I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. And uh, here's what the Apostle Paul says. The unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. We have no idea what this means, by the way. I wish I did, but we don't. And the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. So we have a believing husband and a believing wife, uh, unbelieving wife, or vice versa, married. And there's some kind of protection that God gives to the unbeliever in that circumstance. Um, but here is why it is given. Otherwise, he says, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. They're set apart. And so here's, I think, what Paul is trying to get across is the parents are saying, what about my children? Are they in the covenant? Are they saved? And and here's what Paul is trying to get across to them is that your children are protected. They're set apart by God because one of the parents um, is a believer. And so I think we can just step back and say there is a special protection that God gives to children in divided homes. Um, it does not guarantee their salvation, but it does guarantee that there is a special protection over them. Number two Wives are instructed to win their husbands in a very specific way. So I'm going to say something. I'm going to read you the scripture, and this is going to fly in the face of what almost every single wife does who is married to an unbelieving husband. And uh, here is what 1 Peter chapter 3 says. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Why? So that even if some do not obey the word, it means that they're not a Christian, that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So most wives think, if I'm going to win my husband, I need to nag, make him feel guilty, yell, do you see the example you're setting for our kids? Why don't you go to church? They're going to follow your behavior, blah, 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 blah. You know? and, and, and Peter just comes in and says, you have completely misunderstood the nature of men. Um, God who made men, wired them a certain way, has said that is not the way a wife will typically win her husband to saving faith. The way you'll do it is by keeping your mouth shut, praying for your husband, and living a pure, honorable, submissive life to him. It doesn't mean you're a pushover. It doesn't mean you're abused. It doesn't mean you're bullied. But what it does mean is that you're honorable and respectful um, to your husband, and you don't live in such a way that constantly makes him feel condemned because of his lack of faith. Number three, husbands... Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Um, that most husbands, if you want your wife to come to faith in Jesus Christ, um, it will most clearly and helpfully happen when you sacrificially love her. Um, when women are nurtured and sacrificially loved, they come to life. Um, I wish all of us could get this to a better degree, but I wish most, I wish most men could just understand this. Um, the reason your wife is so frustrated because you don't sacrificially love her or nurture her. So uh, if you want to see or you want to give your wife the best chances of coming to saving faith, you sacrificially love and you nurture her. 
So again, I, I don't think I can give one specific answer for all circumstances, but I think those are some general wisdom principles and some general biblical principles that can help us navigate this really, really difficult terrain. Thank you, Pastor Michael, for that great answer to a very difficult question. Listeners, please don't forget, you can submit your questions to our podcast by visiting our website, vcob.org, and click on the link that says Q&A Podcast. Please join us tomorrow when we answer the question, suicide. If a person commits it, will they go to heaven or hell?